Let's go through every single package installed on a Linux install DVD, specifically Slackware 14.2. Um, of course, these are all open source packages that I'm talking about on this show, so they probably can still apply to you, even if you're not running Slackware and even if you're not running Linux. These are open source packages, so you can download the source code and run them on any computer, whether you're running Linux, Mac, Windows, BSD, doesn't matter. You can learn probably something from this episode. So let's get started. Today we're going to start with... Caligra, except we're not exactly starting with Caligra, we're actually backtracking a little bit to pick up Blues Cute, and I think Calendar Support I skipped over in my excitement to get Caligra. I don't even know if I said that in the previous episode, but I, in my head, the next package was Caligra. Now it's not. It's, it's first Blues Cute. Blues Cute is similar to Blue Devil. In a way, Blue Devil is the KDE-specific uh, framework for Bluetooth, while blues-qt is the cute-specific framework for Bluetooth. And I say framework when really maybe the better term would just be integration integration library, because it, it, it doesn't even link to blues. So it, it it's very much an abstraction of what you need to, to do in order to communicate with Bluetooth. It doesn't insist on on using Blues, and, and I don't know, I haven't looked for other operating systems. Well, I guess it wouldn't matter, yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't use Blues on other operating systems, because Blues, B-L-U-Z, is specific to Linux. So there must be, and I haven't looked, there must be some other abstraction layer to communicate with Bluetooth on other platforms. Your Macs and your Linux. No, your your Macs and your Windowses. But Blues-Cute is, according to the Cute project, it's a cute Bluetooth executable SDP scanner which integrates with the official Linux Bluetooth protocol stack BlueZ. The usage is limited to service discovery over SDP, the cute Bluetooth library itself does not link against BlueZ. Communication between SDB scanner and cute Bluetooth happens over standard in and standard out. And so it's a completely self-standing entity, and this package includes SDP scanner. Now, again, SDB scanner doesn't do a whole lot on its own. Without devices already having been discovered, SDB scanner is rather useless. So you can launch SD or you can look at SDB scanner. It'll it'll dump a little help message into your terminal. SDB scanner. You need the remote BD address, the local BD address, and any UUIDs that you want to scan for. And so those would only exist if if something else had already detected the Bluetooth things. So you'd ha blues would have to be running and blues would have to be activated and you'd have to have devices that you can identify in some way so that you can then use SDB scanner to sort of tap into them. That's SDB scanner. It is essentially an abstraction application for Bluetooth in Qt. That's enough about Bluetooth. Again, I do not like Bluetooth. Don't like talking about it. I've never had a good experience with it. I just don't think it's a good technology. Okay, next up is calendar support. I had that in my 
terminal before I started playing around with SDB scanner. Now I have no idea where it is. Here it is. Okay. So uh, calendar support is a KDE PIM personal information manager calendar support library. And it contains exactly what you would probably imagine it to contain. There's a bunch of include files so that if you're programming something using KDE libraries, you can reference these header files and get all kinds of um, capabilities in the application that you're writing. There's a couple of CMake files to help build this, you know, the, the different parts of it, and that's it. And there's a little bit of documentation. That's pretty much it. So this is very, very much a, a package for development if you are developing with the KDE libraries, the framework, then you'll be able to use this. Otherwise, you might, you know, there might be an application that uses calendar support, but you, you, you might not know it. You might not think about it. But I mean, certainly, I would imagine, I imagine components of Contact are are using calendar support. I maybe system settings for time and date. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, that might be true because there's a feature in the calendar of KDE where you can you like the date and time where you can tell it to I think like highlight holidays in your calendar when you click on your clock and your your system clock up in the or down on the bottom right on normal KDE up in the top right for my KDE cuz I have my kicker at the top you can, so so that kind of integration I imagine would be provided through calendar support although I haven't looked for I haven't looked at the source code to find calendar support instances Across KDE, but that's what I'm, I'm guessing. That's probably an instance of where that's where where that could be used, and it, it is just a could be used because you don't have to have those active. I think I had those active for a while, and it just kept confusing me because it would highlight seemingly random days, and I just couldn't I could never remember that those were significant days. Um, it would probably be less confusing for me if I didn't operate in two different time zones by by sort of force of habit. Uh, well, and by just, I work with a bunch of people in the U.S., so there's a constant disconnect between what my calendar says is happening on quote-unquote today and what people somewhere else think today is, so that it doesn't do me a whole lot of good. So I've, I've, I've not used that option, but you could use that option. I'm assuming that would be something that you would now be experiencing calendar support through. And calendar support, I mean, you might be able to tell just because this is all alphabetical. Oh, I forgot two other packages. Um, is uh, spelled with a C, not a K. Okay, so I just realized I forgot one, two, three, four other packages, but they're all quite related, and they're all around Breeze. B-R-E-E-Z-E. -E. Breeze is the artwork and the styles and the assets for the Breeze visual style of Plasma. So if you go to System Settings and you go to Workspace Theme, which is the top option, you get a couple of different... Well, you get a, a list of look and feel. That's the first panel, look and feel. And by default, if I'm recalling correctly, you've got Breeze, Breeze Dark, and Oxygen, maybe, by default. Now, you can get new themes. You can change it up if you want. You can click on the little um, Get New Looks button in the bottom right corner of this of this window and it'll look online as long as your KDE is sufficiently up to date it'll look online and find looks and feels and themes 
uh, by other people, by by you know fellow users or other distributions sometimes, and you can download those and and skin your desktop a little bit differently. But by default, there's Breeze and Breeze Dark. I tend to use Breeze Dark. I use a dark theme whenever I can get one. So I've got Breeze Dark active, and that that dictates the color and the look of of major widget components of your desktop. So Breeze Dark, for instance, would turn the the panel, the kicker, or no, that's not it's not the kicker. I think the kicker is actually the application launcher or something I found out the other day. I thought the kicker was the whole bottom panel for the for for ages for years I've called it the kicker. Anyway, bottom panel is white by default. You can choose it to I'd say a charcoal charcoal gray, like a dark I mean, it's black, but it's not really black. It's sort of one of those solarized themes. And that it'll do the same thing to the window decoration, the title bars. It'll do the same thing to the... It'll set the background so that it's dark in, like, Dolphin and so on. So you get a dark theme. Now, part of the dark theme process, of course, is... I mean, you're now essentially inverting everything on your on your desktop, which means that anything that was formerly black in order to stand out against the pale gray white look of breeze would be very difficult to see so part of that look and feel when you switch over to for instance breeze dark is to then switch you over to a a, a light a brighter icon theme and and brighter text so all of your white text now become no all your black text becomes white text and so on so you've got it's you know you you think it's a simple thing, but then there are ripple-on effects, and that's what all of these packages are sort of talking about. Um, in order to make that sort of work fluidly and, and together, it's important for there to be sort of a, a, a full set of tools for both the light and the dark themes. It's a, it's a tall order, and it's something that I think it's easy to take for granted when you're just using the defaults. So when I switch from Breeze Dark to Breeze Light, well, that's super easy. Everything turns dark, or, you know, the backgrounds turn dark, the text and uh, icons turn bright, and then if I go back to Breeze, then the inverse happens. Everything goes bright on the screen, but the text and the icons go a little bit darker so that they can stand out against a bright background. Simple, easy. What's interesting though is if you if you go in there and sort of change it around and download a random theme from online and maybe you get a new icon set and so on. Again, you can do that, but when you do it, sometimes you'll discover that the icon set creator didn't anticipate that there was a, 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 a an option in KDE settings for how to do file searches. And so they don't have an icon for that. And so now when a, when you go to your system settings, you don't see an icon against uh, or next to the search category in your system settings. Or or they don't have the, all the different sizes of icons that make sense or or whatever. And so you you sometimes start to get discrepancies in in a theme, especially one that you're cobbling together from a bunch of different sources, because it's just it wasn't a full theme for every desktop. It was a a full theme probably for that one creator's setup, but it wasn't a full theme for literally everyone's you know for all the use cases out there. Which again, it's a tall order, and I guess I would really like maybe for there to be maybe broader categories of icons. I mean, I 
I'm, I, I don't design GUI systems, so who knows? Like, that might be a tall order in itself. It does seem kind of, it would be kind of nice if, I don't know, somehow for like, instance, the search, the search thing. What if there was a, a shorthand for, for just a search-like icon? You know, something, something a little bit fuzzier than it has to be this icon designed for system settings specifically and so on. What if it was just like, well, something within this category? Maybe that would be a little bit easier for icon creators to create complete sets. I don't know. I don't know how it all works. I've never looked into it, to be honest. Which is funny, because on, on my old OS, I used to be all about changing the every little detail. And I have to say, it was a great way to waste a lot of time. And when I switched to Linux, though, it did take me a while to sort of get used to not having that the same kind of level of control. But as with many things, having used Linux for a long time... I see now why having full icon sets can provide... I, I see that it provides a much more consistent experience. And so I quite like the way that Linux manages it. It's just that I do acknowledge that sometimes an icon set that you, you think you like, you try it, and you realize this wasn't really designed for KDE, or this wasn't really designed for GNOME. And it, it, it sort of... It, it kind of falls apart a little bit. Either way, the applications provided by, or the, the assets provided by Breeze, Breeze Grub, Breeze GTK, and Breeze Icons ensure that you have a very, very consistent look and feel across pretty much everything you're using. There are always going to be exceptions. That's on any system. Certainly if I were to open up something in the motif widget set. I, I imagine that that would be, I think it's Servicia is the one. Yeah. Servicia looks very distinctly not breezy. And I don't know that, I don't think we've, yeah, we wouldn't have talked about Servicia yet, but eventually we'll get there and, and you'll be able to see it for yourself as it were. But yeah, but generally speaking for modern applications that kind of know how to, how to look to system icons and so on, Breeze has something for everything. It's a very nice, I think, modern look and feel. Of course, again, you get variation because some, you know, lots of applications have their own icons. And I know that some people really, really like, like, absolute consistency. And and I've seen icon sets out there that, like, Numix, I think, used to do this. Maybe it still does, but they would literally try to provide an icon for, like, every, I think it was Numix, for every application that you could possibly think of and it was a lofty goal and and a lot of fun because you could see reinterpretations of popular applications like firefox logo wouldn't look like the firefox logo but it would look suggestive of the firefox logo and and signal would be different and and what whatever else you know katie well katie and live would be the same but yeah like all all of the applications would have their own icons that would that would match the rest of the icon theme very cool very nice but i i, I think it it is such a lofty goal that I, I think I'm pretty much generally I tend to be fine with just the breeze icons and it's one of those things where the default option truly truly just it just you, you fall into it or at least I should say I fall into it I, I a lot of times I don't like defaults like I'll, I'll I'll ignore defaults I'll get rid of the defaults the first thing I do and I think the longer and longer and longer I use Linux the more and more and more likely I am to default to the defaults and just take them because you know what after a while they start to become your default you don't necessarily emotionally identify with it at first but 
It's just that's what you expect, and so when you don't see it, it throws you off. It's not to say I don't like to mix it up a little bit sometimes. Sometimes I'll, I'll in install a different theme, different icon set. But I think ultimately, at the end of the day, I think just the sort of the, the pleasure of being able to see what a community has provided just sort of as a whole complete package it's kind of nice, and I, I, I've started to respect that, I think, a lot. So I just, I tend to just, yeah, go with Breeze. But um, it is fun in KDE, especially because it is so configurable to see just how weird you can get with KDE. And I used to, I used to do this thing where I would try to re-implement GNOME in KDE. And you can get a really, you can get pretty, pretty close to GNOME in a lot of different ways on KDE, because KDE has so many options you can basically just strip them all away, add a full-screen application launcher, which is a built-in widget now uh, that you can select, and and you're you're basically on you're you've got GNOME 40 basically. It's it's a lot of fun anyway. And Breeze is the thing that just kind of makes everything work together all the time in terms of the visuals. And and I should say, there's nothing special about Breeze. It's just the fact that everything has been accounted for by Breeze. Like, so they know every single icon that you're going to need for KDE. You, they, it, it knows every widget that needs to be themed. It has a, um, it has a set for, for even Grub, which I've personally never seen because I'm on this, I, I don't use Grub. Um, so, so it has, it just has all the stuff. There's nothing technologically advanced about Breeze. It's, it's just, it's just a bunch of themes that, that fit into the requirements for the KDE and probably cute widget specifications. Of course, I'm saying cute KDE. What about GTK? Well, luckily, you may have heard in the list that I provided, Breeze, Breeze Grub, Breeze GTK, Breeze Icons, there is a subset of Breeze that, that tries to account, well, that does account for GTK applications. So if you have a GTK application on your system, such as I'm trying to think of a really classic GTK application. I have to admit, I'm not too sure. Oh, Glade. Glade's got to be GTK. Yeah, this is GTK. So if you've got a GTK application on your system and you've gone over into dark mode with light icons, when you launch that GTK application, it will be in a dark theme and its toolbar will use the light uh, breeze icons and, and so on. So you get um, a pretty good amount of integration between GTK and, and Qt pretty much for free. It used to be a little bit more complex. You had to go in and install specifically, or at least on Slackware, I should say. You had to go in and install a Qt GTK engine, and, and that would hook your KDE themes into GTK with a with some options. I think it, it all boiled down to .gtkrc or something like that, or .gtk2rc or something like that. So it used to be a little bit more complex than it is now. It seems that KDE has just, I think, just rolled it into into part of the package because I've, I haven't seen, I haven't seen a disconnect between application theming on KDE 5 possibly ever. It's just, it's been really, really just, just kind of takes care of itself. So that's, that's kind of huge. And the fact that we're getting there, I mean, it, it's just so cool. I mean, there have been movements towards this for a long time. You might remember Blue Curve, which was Fedora or Red Hat's theme uh, for, I think, 
it was the, yeah, it was a GTK theme that they ported over to Qt to try to sort of just, yeah, unify the look and feel of the two major toolkits being used for graphical applications on Linux. And that was, that was a big deal. And of course, Adwata, Adwata, Adwata does that today on GNOME. You can get an Adwata theme for a bunch of the KDE stuff. You can switch your, your theme over to Adwata and, and then you're running cute applications that look and feel more or less like a GTK application. So you can go, you can go the other way. I choose not to just because that this is again what I'm sort of used to, but you could do it the other way. It's not hard. And, and, and the fact that we've got that flexibility now is, is really nice because it, it just doesn't feel great when you launch a GTK application on KDE and you get those ugly sort of like, again, motif looking, you know, square buttons and things like that. Like, like those, yeah, really sort of rudimentary widgets without any theme at all. That doesn't look cool. It doesn't inspire enormous confidence in, in the operating system for new people. You know, if they, if they don't understand what's going on to them, it looks like something's broken. I mean, and I think arguably something was broken. But that hasn't happened in ages, so it's really nice. Okay, so that was Breeze. We're definitely past the bees now. I already talked about calendar support. It's time for coffee. Feels like it's got to be time for coffee. Yep, time for coffee. Let's do that. We'll come back. We'll talk about Caligra. together well. Caligra was one of the, the first applications I remember thinking, that doesn't start with a K at all. And I think it did used to be called K-Office, I think. I could be making that up, but I feel like there was a K-Office for a while. And, and I don't know if the code bases are at all related, but Caligra starts with a C, and it is a KDE application. It is the KDE Office suite, and it's a little bit different, I would say, than what one might be accustomed to when one thinks of the exactly two office suites anybody knows about, which is the one by Microsoft and the one by Document Foundation, LibreOffice. Of course, Libre came from Open, so OpenOffice, LibreOffice, and then the other one. Of course, there's also Abbey Word and GNU... Um, what is it called? GNU... Um, darn it. GNU Merrick. So there are other office suites... And I think of those examples that I've just provided, I would say Caligra is a little bit akin to the Abbey Word, and, and bear with me here, it's not at all like Abbey Word, but it's a little bit more akin to Abbey Word and Numeric, in, in the sense that the, the the projects themselves are, are actually different. So Caligra is the, 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 the term for the office suite, but what's in that office suite, th those are, those are, those might be in, I don't know, I haven't actually looked recently if they're literally in separate code bases or what, but they express themselves, let's say, as different applications. So unlike LibreOffice, where you, you can launch just LibreOffice, the executable, and then you can choose, would you like to create a new word processing document or a new spreadsheet or a new uh, presentation or a new database front end and so on. 
So you've got all these different uh, drawing. You get, you get all these kind of different modules that appear to sort of be all in one, whereas Caligra has different m modules, as it were, that kind of just seem like separate applications. And I'm, I'm speaking, I'm trying to speak very much from a user perspective. Like I say, I haven't looked at the code base recently. I, I've looked at it actually a couple of weeks ago because I, I was trying to determine what was actually current and what was not. But from a user perspective, I think Caligra words and Caligra sheets look like separate applications. And then there's yet another part of Caligra, su supposedly, called Carbon, which I guess is deprecated now, but as far as I can tell, it's still sort of being distributed with most of this stuff. I'm, I'm not really sure. So anyway, if you go to um, invent.kde.org slash office slash Caligra, then you kind of get a feel for what, 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 what appears to be the the, the stalwart members of Caligra, and they list words, sheets, and stage as the office productivity suite. They also mention carbon, K-A-R-B-O-N, as the graphic component of this. And then there's advanced plugins called chart and K-formula. And apparently more information can be found at Caligra.org. If you go to Caligra.org, then you sort of learn that Caligra now has words, sheets, Kexi, which is a visual database creator, Carbon, which last I heard was deprecated or no longer supported, so I feel like that might be out of date, Plan for project management, Stage for presentations, and then Gemini, which I believe is the mobile UI for Caligra. I have not tried Gemini. I have no experience with it. But that's that's what's listed on the on the on the web page. So I don't know how to exactly tackle this. No, I guess it doesn't say Carbon does not say that it's deprecated. I had heard that it was deprecated. I swear I read that somewhere or discontinued or whatever. It is a nice application. I just don't know how to get to the place where I would have where I would have seen a discontinue notice. Well, that's really great. That is, if it's not discontinued, that's really cool because it is. It is great, and that's that's sort of addresses what I've what I wanted to say in the first place about all this. A lot of people might think, why would you dedicate time and effort to an office suite when there's already clearly a perfectly usable office suite called LibreOffice? I think a lot of people say that when they're new to Linux. I think it's a, a sort of a, a very easy critique to make because you see all this effort being expended towards one sort of a niche project, and you think, well, wouldn't it just be better to join the big project? And there is, you know, there is logic there. I mean, you, it's definitely, you know, you think that does make some sense. Like, if I have a feature request out to LibreOffice, and they're not getting to it because they don't have the people to do it, surely if we took all the developers from K from Caligra and put them on LibreOffice, then those would be, that would be extra people to satisfy those those feature requests, or there's bug reports, or whatever. Now, of course, that's not at all how anything works in the real world. I mean, it can be the way that it works if you're bribing people with money, uh, which they may or may need for um, for feeding their family or for paying rent so they can stay in a place out out of the rain. But really, people don't work like that. You can't just take people out of the thing that they want to do and force them to do the thing that they don't want to do. I mean, again, 
you can, but that's certainly not what open source is all about. And so it doesn't make, there's a sort of a little bit of a logical dissonance there that just doesn't quite work that way. It's also just not how open source is structured. Like the, the chain of command, as it were, such as it is, which it isn't, just that's not how it functions. There's no project manager of open source to delegate tasks and uh, person hours and things like that. That just doesn't, that's, doesn't work like that, and no one wants it to work like that. Even if you think you want it to work like that, you don't actually want it to work like that. And finally, 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 there is the very real desire among open source users to have a lot of different options. And I know that it might seem like nobody's using Caligra, but honestly, sometimes someone might use Caligra. There might be a group of people using Caligra, and it might be perfectly fine. And I think in a, a weird way, this hit me even harder as of Slackware.com. No, Slackware 15.0, because I thought I was about to give you a URL, I guess. Um, Slackware 15.0, when it came out, as I said in my original sort of Slackware 15 episode, I didn't install any of the normal things that I, that, that were always my go-to first installs. Like, if, if you asked me before Slackware 15, what, or I should, you know, it's Slackware 15, yes, but I mean, specifically KDE, anniversary edition, 5 dot whatever it is. So if you'd asked me before that how long I'd ever had a computer that didn't have VLC installed on it, the, the answer would have been reliably about 25 seconds. But I was using Slackware 15 for about a week, and it had never once occurred to me to install VLC. Now that's a combination of lots of different factors. It, it, was, it was a combination of the fact that I wasn't watching that much media, and the media that I was watching or, or listening to, well, the media I was watching uh, were in free formats that just agreed really well with whatever was playing them. And the music I was listening to, I was listening to out of um, Juke, Juke, the Jukebox application. And so it just, it never came up. VLC just never, there was never a point where I needed that. And so I never, I just didn't bother installing it. It never occurred to me to do that. On If it had been a different week, maybe that would have been completely different. And I would have thought, First things first, get VLC so I can watch this uh, series or this movie because I only have it as a you know weird format file or whatever. So I'm not saying necessarily that KDE5 has advanced beyond the requirement for any third-party, in quotes, applications. I'm simply saying that sometimes those default tools that you're provided mesh with what you want to do. And I used to never install LibreOffice. Like, that was an application that I admired from afar, and appreciated that it existed, and I just never needed it. Now, recently in my in in, a, in my current job, I've needed LibreOffice a lot more because I've discovered that LibreOffice, as much as it pains me in principle to do page layout in an Office application, um, LibreOffice is approachable for a lot of users, whereas Scribus just doesn't seem to be. A lot of people seem to get really overwhelmed by Scribus. I don't understand it because to me, Scribus is just so elegant and 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 obvious and just so useful. So I, I do install LibreOffice these days, but just two years ago, one year ago, that wouldn't have been true. And if there was a time that I needed to do some kind of quick word processing task, which I don't even know what that would be, but let's say there was, then Caligra Words would actually be quite convenient for me because it's it's there anyway. It got installed with Slackware. I've never opened it. Today I'll open it to type up a document and then send it out. 
So it would it would be, you know, to some people, it could be at least the fallback word processor. And to other people, depending on your, your requirements, it might be the word processor that you use. So starting out with Caligra words, I guess. Does this actually specify what Caligra we're looking at? No, it just says it's Caligra 321. It is Caligra Office Productivity Applications included a word processor, spreadsheet, pr uh, presentation chart, graph creator, vector, graphic tool, database creator, flowchart, integrated data management, pixel graphics editor, uh, oh, they're talking about Krita there, I think, uh, mathematical formula editor, editor, which is K-Formula, Caligra workspace, is the combination of all of those things. Okay, gotcha. Interesting. Did not actually know about that one. Um, okay, so if I go to less slash var slash log slash packages slash Caligra, then I see that I've got, oh yeah, I do see, I, I see that now. Caligra is the combination of all those. So that actually, never mind what I was saying about it being separate applications. I mean, it is separate applications, but I didn't realize that there were actually separate, there was, there, there's a, there's an application that, that wraps it all into one. Well, I'm gonna just inst I'm gonna just launch Caligra Words to start out with, I guess. Yeah, I think I'll do that. Actually, it looks like there's a command here called Caligra Converter, and it looks like Caligra Converter is a document converter. So this is a little bit like the LibreOffice dash dash headless command, where you can convert a document of one one data type to a document of another data type. I don't know enough about that yet to get into it. So I'm going to just start with words because I think it's a good entry point for what Caligra, what its big selling point, I think, really is, is the way that it sets itself up. So LibreOffice, if you're familiar with it, and again, a year ago, I wouldn't have been. So LibreOffice sets itself up such that it's primarily, I would say, a toolbar-driven application. You, you, you start LibreOffice and there's multiple levels of toolbars across the top. You know, it's it's font toolbar, formatting toolbar, style toolbar, a toolbar for bullet lists, a toolbar for indents, a toolbar just for everything. Every single thing has a toolbar and they're all practically it seems all open at the top of the uh, of your window. So, all of the things in the toolbar there are also available in a menu. And of course, all the menu items have keyboard shortcuts. So you can navigate without the toolbars, but in terms of kind of what it presents to you from the start, it is mostly toolbar related. And I guess the, the thing about a toolbar is that it, it's, it's, they are best when they're just, when they're small. And the toolbar in LibreOffice is, is just a collection of icons. That's what the toolbars are. There's some drop down menus here and there, but it, it's primarily just just the icons, and to be fair, most of the icons are pretty, well, they're great. They're Honestly, they're really well designed. You look at them, and you if you've ever done a word processing task before, you get the idea. You understand which one is the numbered list versus the bullet list, and we're talking about a tiny little icon, so that's actually quite an achievement in my mind. You, you understand what's, uh, what's going to control alignment versus what's going to control just uh, the indent level of a list. You understand what the the font references are to, and, and so on. So it does work. My my feeling, however, is that it is 
it, it's a little bit abstract. And I, I, I think if you really thought outside the box and said, okay, well, that's how office applications used to be. What could we do differently? I think one of the possible answers would be Caligra words. There's this great quote that I saw in a book by O'Reilly. Stop me if I've said this one already. It's my new favorite quote, I think. It was in a, a book called 97 Things a Java Programmer Needs to Know. It's by O'Reilly Press. And the quote is, I'm going to search for it. I took a screenshot of it because I just liked it so much and I didn't want to I didn't want to misquote it. Bruce Joyce is the person who said it. We have to reinvent the wheel every once in a while. Not because we need a lot of wheels, but because we need a lot of inventors. That's that's what Caligra words is. It's it's reinventing the wheel because we need people reinterpreting what a wheel is. We need more inventors. We need people who who are thinking about things differently. And that's what Caligra words represents to me because when you open it up, you get on the right-hand side of the window a bunch of tool panels like um what are they called? Dialogue boxes or or uh, palettes. That's what I was thinking of. Palettes in in artistic um, applications. These are often called dockers, whatever you want to call them, uh, or docks, dockables, whatever. Um, they're, they're panels over in the right hand on the right hand side, and they try to sort of cover all of the things that you might want to do in a word processor. So instead of getting just a matrix of icons across the top of your document, you get, especially if you're in full screen, you get your document on the left, that's your workspace, it's your work area, and you get all of the controls, all the knobs and, and dials over on the right. Now, of course, this is a cute application, so you could change that if you want. You don't like it over on the right, you can just click and drag it over to the other side of the of the document uh, of the of the window rather super simple you can you can force them to be tabs under each other so now you've got a panel with tabs if you want however you want to work it that you've got the flexibility to do that i mean you could also put it at the top or the bottom of your your screen let's say you're one of those people who you, turns their monitor 90 degrees and views their monitor in um portrait mode. I've seen people do that, especially for a second art, uh, monitor if they're if they're writing. You could do that and and then you could have your panels wherever you want. So there's a lot of flexibility that we just we get for free on from the fact that this is a cute based application and those wonderful wonderful readjustable panel, panels are just they're just so great. So um, the 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 primary panel on on Caligra words is just I, I don't know what it's called. It's just like the main the main panel. There's there's a sub panel called add shape, but the the main one has a bunch of tabs along the left. So the first tab is text editing, and then there's references, page layout, review, shape handling, connect shapes, draw a path. So a bunch of things that are actually pretty intuitive, and and each tab has um, a full panel of, of options in it. So the, the first one is simply about, well, it's called text editing, so it has things like character styles, paragraph styles, tables, and insert whatever, whether it's inserting a table, inserting a variable, inserting a symbol uh, from a keyboard, from a, um, a virtual keyboard selector, 
um, inserting a, a page break or a new section in your text and so on. So you can start typing. This is a title, and and by default, there's not really any kind of style applied to it, but any paragraph in a word processor, in modern word processors, can have a style applied to it. I mean, so can a character. And so, for instance, uh, if, if you decide that this font just isn't the font that you want to use for your titles, you can click on the, in the character section, you can find a different font. I'll use Comforta because it came up. The paragraph style is standard, which sort of means that there's, you know, kind of like no style. Well, this, I really meant for this to be my title, like my document title. So I'm going to scroll through this list and select document title. And that changes it. That centers it. Uh, it. It also changes the font because a paragraph style may or may not have. It might dictate the character style. Character styles can be inherited by paragraph styles, or or rather, yeah, character. A character may be styled by a paragraph style. So uh, I could probably overwrite it. Yes, I could. Um, although now it's it's deviated from the style, so I would probably want to make that like a custom style, which I could do. So there's my, my, my paragraph. Now I'll hit return a couple of times. Nope, just once. Uh, and then I'm, I'm returned to the standard style. Because again, Caligra, like most word processors, understand that a paragraph style applies to a paragraph. And, and so there's, there's a default style. Like, the one that's not styled is styled as a standard style. So you can type some text. Ipsum. I don't even know. Ipsum. Ipsum. So I'll just copy some, some text there and paste it a bunch of times, a couple of times. And then maybe I want to start a new section. So I'll call this new section, and then I'll click over on my paragraph style, and I'll label that as a, a, a head, a, a subhead, or it's, it's called head2. So this is the this is one down from H1. This is an H2 essentially, and it tells you well that means that you're going to be at 16 point in this in this particular section and it inherits a font and so on. Again, you can create your own styles so that you don't you know if you don't like the way that it does it, that's okay. You can you can you can customize all that stuff. But if you're just kind of going with the defaults, then these are pretty reasonable defaults. I I, I find. I mean, it, it's pretty reasonable it might um it might lean a little bit towards the sort of technical documentation maybe arguably for instance uh my heading just introduced 1.1 in front of the the section name maybe i don't want the 1.1 i can delete it or i could make my new st a new style so that i didn't inherit that every time i made a heading but that's kind of the way that it leans, which is fine. Of course, again, if you hit return and start typing again, then you're back into the standard style, and everything looks um, like normal text in, in just, well, in, in this case, Deja Vu Sans seems to be the, the, the default style. You can click on any amount of text and click on any other kind of style. So you can bold it, italicize it, underline it, give it a different color, and so on. So, you know, all the usual kinds of things that you can do in a word processor. And that's just obviously the text stuff. There's also things like, what if you wanted to add a table of contents? Well, you can do that in the References tab. Click uh, Contents, choose your style for, for the contents, how, how you want it to look, how many levels of headings you want it to descend into, and so on, and apply that. 
uh, you can review things. You can insert comments. You can remove comments. You can adjust the page layout, so make a, a new uh, header or set your uh, page size to US letter instead of ISO A4, which I wouldn't do because I live in a place that uses A4. And so on. Lots and lots of different things. And, you know, going through it quickly, which is all this really warrants, I think. This isn't a, really an episode all about word processing, but going through it quickly, you probably get the feeling that, that there is quite a lot of... that this is a pretty complete package. And I have to say that it, it really has developed a heck of a lot. Like, it, it really has. Like, I've, I've looked at Caligra before, many, many years ago, and wasn't super excited about it. But at least what I'm seeing now, not having actually spent any time in it, and I probably, to be fair, won't. The only reason I use LibreOffice is it's at work, and it's an, a nice, easy starting point for people who also need to do some page, who, who need to work in the same document that you're working in, and, and there needs to be some, some consistency. So that's, that's why that's LibreOffice. Caligra, I probably won't use. I don't use a word processor all that often, and when I do, it's only because other people are using it. So I'm not going to use Caligra on a regular basis, probably. Is it really cool? Yeah, it's really cool. It's a great other option, and potentially, if you don't feel like installing LibreOffice, then Caligra could be the answer. It could be the easy answer to, oh my gosh, someone sent me this uh, word processor document and I need to open it up in something, in in a word processor. And of course, Caligra, it's important to note here that Caligra reads the, I guess, the, the big popular obvious formats. I guess I should probably open it back up really quick. And let's do a save as to get a f- an idea of what it saves out to. It does open document text, so that's ODT. Open, docu- uh, open document master document, which I guess is a template. Text template. Moby Pocket ebook. HTML, EPUB, plain text, wiki, and Word 2007 document, which is DOCX, otherwise known as Microsoft OOXML. That's saving out. I, I, I don't know how I would know all of the different possible importing options without looking into it a lot more than I think is probably worth it. I think it's worth saying, oh, here, just go to open document and scroll down to supported. So it does all of the things it can save out to as you would expect, as well as RTF, remember that horrible format? Microsoft Word document, I guess maybe that's a standard doc, Applix, A-P-P-L-I-X, Word do- Words document, and then WordPerfect. That's probably a pretty good smattering of formats. So this, like I say, this could be the answer to word processor for you if you don't want to be bothered with something more compl- something th- extra to install. This could also be the answer to word processing if you just don't like the current model of word processing. This ta- this provides a little bit of a different take on it. Still a word processor, still a GUI application, and so on, but the setup is a little bit different. Maybe that's something that you're looking for. Okay, so I'm going to go to my downloads folder because speaking of document formats. I want to see what what kind of job this Caligra converter will do for me if I need to convert documents from one thing to another. Now, I will admit I had a lot of problems with this command initially until I figured out how it was actually supposed to work. I'll explain what confused me, but then we'll skip past it as if though I knew what I was doing all along. So Caligra converter, all one string, that's the command. Dash dash help spits out the helpful information. And the command is, the usage is Caligra Converter bracket options close bracket in 
space out. I thought it meant that in and out were literals that I was supposed to pass to the command. For instance, Caligra converter in equals foo.docx out equals bar.odt. Kind of, I guess I was thinking sort of in the dd command construction. That's not correct. They didn't mean in and out as literals. They meant it as required arguments, in being the name of an input file, out being the name of an output file. Or, yeah, input and output. So if I do a thing like Caligra Converter, and then point it at this document that I have that was created either on Microsoft Office or LibreOffice, I don't know. It, someone sent me this document, so it is saved as a .docx. So whatever it was created in, it's, it's in the Microsoft document format, OOXML or whatever. And then I'll save it out to foo.odt. Hit return. Spits out, it's very verbose. Spits out a lot of information, but it looks like it's happy. And um, yeah, it parses all that XML through QXML stream reader. It's kind of neat. Didn't know such a thing existed. Uh, and opening for writing content.xml, closing wrote file content.xml to into a zip file because that's what these things are, is they're just zip files with a bunch of XML stuffed into them. It wrote the thing. And now if I, I guess if I just launch Caligra words and pass foo.odt as the argument, yes, that works. There it is. There's the document converted from docx to odt. It's a pretty basic document. I, I probably could find more complex ones to give it a little bit more of a, of a stress test. But in my experience, odt and, and docx seem to be pretty, pretty well supported converting wise to one another. I'm sure there are plenty of exceptions to that. But I've, I've had good luck with it in the limited times that I've ever had to do that. Then again, I, I work with very simple documents when I when I do, um, and that this is a feature that LibreOffice provides as well. There's a LibreOffice dash dash convert dash two I think command. It's a LibreOffice dash dash headless I think dash, dash, uh, you know the name of the document, and then dash dash convert dash two, and then the format that you want to convert to or something, and then the output file something like that. Um, so there are ways, and of course Pandoc will do this as well with a, a lot more f um, formats than anyone would ever need. So nice little feature, nice little quick and easy command to use. This is one of the things that I just, I love about the culture of of Linux and of open source because you, they didn't have to throw that command in. You know, traditionally, if there's a graphical application, a lot of times that's your doorway, that's your gateway into the functions that that application provides. I mean, that's, in a weird way, that's that's fair. It's like, you have promised me a graphical application. If I want to convert one document to another, I understand I'm going to have to open up your graphical application, go to the menus, do the things, click through the buttons, say, open the file dialog, and so on. It takes forever. And by forever, I mean maybe a minute. But in Linux and open source, you very frequently get a command with direct access to the functions that power that graphical application. And so you can just do the, the job. You can just type in the words. It's done in literally, well, what is it literally? Let's find out. Time Caligra Converter. Literally point, point, at worst, 0.184 seconds. It's not even a second, you understand. So, well, okay, I typed. The, the time it took me to type was probably some some seconds. It's very fast and very convenient. It's scriptable. It's just so nice to have that 
that's the kind of thing that I just really, really love about sort of the expectations and the the things that open source developers tend to provide. I think with not a whole lot of time left for this episode, we're going to save the rest of Caligra for the next episode. So thank you very much for listening to this one. Go get yourself another cup of coffee. Come back next week. We'll talk about Caligra Sheets and Carbon and other fun applications. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted until next time thanks for listening and keep the source open I'm going to have to ask you to be the guinea pig for our next experiment.